Hey there, Matt. Um, we took a little summer sabbatical, and uh, now we're happy to be back here doing a podcast again. I didn't evolve. <laughs> I, I haven't either, unfortunately. Um, but uh, what has evolved is our thought process towards uh, God's creation and uh, what he's done for us in our lives over the last couple months. Um, Absolutely. We've, we've heard some good stuff. We just went to a yeah, yeah seminar yesterday. Serge, I can't pronounce his last name, so we'll just call no. him Serge. We might have him on the show sometime, though. I, yeah, I'm hopeful. We need to. We need to. And what what was it? What was his main topic? Um, he's a geologist uh, for the Kansas City, Missouri, um, uh, basically city. This he works for the city, um, and he's uh, went to UMKC. He yeah, got his yeah, doctorate, uh, masters there. He's very qualified to speak on that matter. Uh, and kind of some of the interesting things he talked about yesterday with us was what his perspective was of the catastrophic flood in Noah's day. Right. And it was, uh, to me, it was extremely, extremely uh, interesting. And his thought process that he's put into it was really impressive um, with I all the facts that he brought to the table. Something that stood out to me was the four the main four layers of rock you can find yes. all over the world. Yes. Do you remember what the types of rock uh, were? Yeah, limestone, sandstone, um, shale, shale, and there was coal. More. I think and it was coal. coal. Yep, yep, yeah, coal. Yep. So that was that was very interesting how how uniform it is around the the whole world. That seems speaks of a global catastrophe Worldwide. instead of yeah, right. Instead of a local flood that right. uh, And even within Christianity there's there's a temptation to say there was a local flood, right? Maybe in, in the Mesopotamia region right. that just wiped out the antediluvians. But but when we see evidence like this worldwide, it speaks to a, a worldwide catastrophe. Which I personally believe is that what you believe? Yeah. And, and think about it like this: if if in the Bible it says that Satan feared for his life, or maybe I guess that's Mrs. White that says that. Mm -hmm. um, why would Satan fear for his life in a in a uh, non-global event, right? So it had to have been something that was extremely violent, cataclysmic, uh, something that obviously killed all of the uh, living organisms around the world, uh, except for Noah and his family and the animals that survived in the ark. Uh, what I really liked about Serge, though, was how he brought the uh, the science aspect, the chemistry aspect of, of the actual minerals in the ground and, and what took place uh, during the, the uh, opening hours of the flood. Uh, obviously, it's a bit of speculation. However, uh, you can tell that he's put a lot of thought into his into his theories. Yeah, and one thing I appreciated of what he mentioned, and like I said, I think we're going to have to invite him on this show to clarify some For of sure. this. But For sure. You know, if God is our creator, which we're um, uh, presenting with our biblical view that God created this world, then it makes sense to me that he knows how the elements work together. He knows the chemistry. Yeah. And he really pointed out how the environment was pristine prior to the flood. Absolutely. And yet God could manipulate the elements to cause this catastrophe. In, in, in a naturalistic way. Oh, yes. Yeah, right. Absolutely. With right. hydrogen and... and uh, Calcium, sulfur, oxygen. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, uh, what is it that creates acid rain? Sulfuric, Sulfuric acid. acid yep. mm -hmm. And so we're talking, 
you know, and he pointed out all the other events, which you asked him about, like volcanoes, what, what else was occurring? Right. And, and do you remember some of those? Well, yeah, I mean, you know, literally our, our plate tectonic system that we have now uh, evolved, if you will, over a span, uh, over a short span of time um, with the uh, rifts in the, the oceanic plates, uh, the fault lines, all that, that was a peculiar um, thing before the flood that no one, no one had ever seen anything like that. Now, did it look like to you, like you can, you can see these topography type maps uh -huh. of the ocean floor. Sure. Did it look like to you the, where the rifts are, it, it comes back up or is that falling down towards the cracks? Well, it just depends on what side of the plate you're on because they kind of overlap each other. One's kind of going underneath one and one's kind of going on top of the other. So it's it kind of just depends on you know if you're on the east side or the west side and the north side or the south side of that rift. So um, right. it's it's uh, I really enjoy looking at those topography maps too of, of the earth. It's it you can see it's literally a scar. You know the the le the flood left a major scar on this planet, and uh, and we're still seeing the effects of that today with the Atlantic plate. Uh, it's 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 moving away from each other. Africa and South America are moving away from each other, uh, moving towards. Uh, Asia, if you will, mm -hmm. and um, it's just uh, which kind of relates to the Pangaea, which I always kind of yeah wondered how how if how if the world was a Pangaea type uh, planet or continent, basically one continent, right? How we got all these continents today, and what he described was during the flood, the separation with the continental rifts right. and things started the, to take place. The sinking of the, of the, uh, of the earth's surface with the, with right. the, um, ocean the, basin, uh, the ocean basins. Yes. Um, forming because of the, the, the void left over after the water from the, the fountains of the deep erupted. Right. So that land mass had to go somewhere. So some of it went up, some of it went down creating what we have today. Um, in our you, topography of the globe. You mentioned Patri or Ellen White, and yeah. she wrote the book Patriarchs and Prophets. One of my favorites. And I just wanted to, I was trying to look for where it says the devil was afraid. But I am finding that um, it says here, as the time of their, pro their probation was closing, the antediluvians, meaning those uh, living prior to the deluge, which was the great flood, right? Right, right. They gave themselves up to exciting amusements and festivities. So they're partying. They're saying, we don't care what Noah's saying. Yeah. Which essentially was God speaking through Noah. Through Noah. Yeah. Those who possessed influence and power were bent on keeping the minds of the people engrossed with myrrh and pleasure. So don't focus on the seriousness of the time and, right. and the decisions you need to make, but just have fun. Live, live in the now. Have, have pleasure seeking. Yeah, well, they're, uh, the Bible says their foremost. thoughts were continual, evil continually. So, uh, you know, we, you know, in the garden when Adam or Eve fell, uh, God said He'd put enmity between the woman and the, and and uh, and Satan. Right. So, I can see how it plays out today with our ability for people who aren't Christians, right, to have to be nice and be thoughtful and do things that they're, you know, they want to do good things out of. Sure. Uh, good people. Right. Exactly. Right. But that aren't necessarily religious people. Um, so you kind of have to think that there, maybe there was a few people like that pre-flood 
but they're probably few and far between if they're continually evil. Yeah, and I think it was probably, you know, well, we know for a fact, according to Scripture, that Noah was giving a warning for over 100 years. I mean, it's like 120 years. So, And he laid to rest people like uh, Methuselah and stuff like that right before the flood. Mm -hmm. So he wouldn't have to take them on the boat, I would There were more believers than just Noah's family. Right. Uh, But it says here, in Noah's day, this stood out to me. In Noah's day, philosophers declared, I I would say now it would be scientists, maybe. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But back in those days, philosophers declared that it was impossible for the world to be destroyed by water. So now there are men of science who endeavor to show that the world cannot be destroyed by fire. And that's something Serge uh, pointed out yesterday. Yeah. Was the first destruction of the world was by water. Right. The second one that's coming is by, by fire. It's going to be by fire. And people might laugh and mock and deride Christians for believing that. But it's in line with history. You know, in a sense, history is going to repeat itself. Um, And it really shouldn't surprise us that man, God knows how we think. Right. And so he can predict how uh, Matt is going to react to certain things based on his humanness. Sure. Um, that's why I've chosen him to be my savior. Yeah. Cause I've Good realized reason. <laughs> Good reason. hopefully maybe like Noah did that. I need someone else to help me through this life yeah. and to save me because I, if I'm left to myself, I'm going to go out We're there done. and yeah. seek all the pleasure I can in this life and, uh, miss out on the real, the real important stuff. And as you're talking about, you know, the fire that's going to destroy the earth the second time. Well, I don't know about you, but I'm a Christian and I believe in the Bible. I believe in God's word. So if he says it, um, I'm, I'm pretty sure it's going to happen. You know, we have we have every reason to believe that uh, everything he says in the Bible is true. And uh, especially right. the especially the second coming and the consequences of uh, not having a relationship with Jesus, because that's what it boils down to. Uh, you, you know, we all know the the uh, verse in Matthew that says uh, there will be people that say, Lord, Lord. And, uh, and, and God will say, I never knew you. Mm. And, you know, uh, those people obviously are going about their business to try to do works, to be saved instead of having a relationship with Jesus, which is the, the ultimate, uh, trump card, if you will. Right. It's gotta, it's gotta connect to trust. Uh, Noah had to trust what God said. Right. And his faith showed that hey, he believed it yeah. because he started building an ark. Hey, Matt, something's going to happen that's never, ever happened before. Do you believe me? You know what I mean? It's, it's, it's really that black and white. I mean, that's essentially what, right. it's what, crazy. what, what God says. Essentially. And that's why the Bible says some of the things uh, that are presented through God's servants sound like foolishness to the world. Yeah. Because only God has the wisdom of those certain things being able to take place. So back to rocks. Yeah. I'm looking at an old textbook here. Okay. What's it called? It's by Prentice Hall, earth science. So it's for a, I think a middle school to, to high school textbook for science. There's a reason I left that in my locker on my ninth grade year, huh? Uh Oh, (laughs) 
I hope you passed. Did you pass? Oh, I passed. Okay. It's not that hard. They say we came from monkeys. <laughs> well, not a, not the rocks. Oh, well, <laughs> rocks and then monkeys, right? <laughs> well, I guess everything did come from nothing. Right. Oh, 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 something from nothing. Seriously, though, I think he, he mentioned how you find this pattern of shale and and sandstone and limestone, these these four classes of rocks over and over. And something that he pointed out, um, you know, typically they'll say these each layer represents millions of years. Right. Right. And and at one time that layer was the was the Earth's crust. Mm-hmm. Right. Was the top of the earth. Now so, what what have you heard about explanations from a biblical standpoint of how these layers uh, formed instead of well, over I, millions of years. I like to listen to Walter Weith a lot. I think he's got a lot of good things to say on on uh, geology, the, the the creation, the flood, and he kind of makes a cool analogy. And say say you have three buckets of paint, right? Uh, you have a fifty five gallon, you have a thirty gallon, and you have a twenty twenty gallon. Okay, and you take the fifty five gallon and it's black paint, and you throw it all, you throw it on this big flat concrete. Uh, floor and it goes out and it spreads over a certain area right right so then you take the 30 gallon and you have red paint in there right and there's a little bit less volume in there of material and you throw it out of the floor right and those layers start those to stack up right exactly sure. so there's layers you take the 20 20 gallon there's a little less material in there and do that and so on right okay so you have several different layers and one that explains the absence of certain layers um and then it also explains how the layers were laid down because of uh, the flood and the water and those layers all being sedimentary rocks. We know that all of them are sedimentary. So that being said. When you say sedimentary, it's it's a mixture of different sediments that have come together to create a layer instead of like, uh, or kind of like concrete in a sense. Correct. It's, 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 a, it's a very easy thing. So if you just take a shovel and go and... Put, and put it in a little glass jar, right, with water in it. You shovel up a, a, a thing of dirt, a scoop of dirt. Uh, you shake that up. and Put some you, water. Yeah, you put some water in there and shake it up and let it sit, right? So all those different sedimentary levels are going are gonna to stack up onto each other. So the heaviest things, right, they go down to the bottom first, the second heaviest, third heaviest, and et cetera. So that's, that's essentially what happened with the, um, with the ground breaking as it did in the flood or the, to the start of the flood, right, as the fountains of the deep blew up uh, and shot massive amounts of water into the atmosphere. Um, obviously, there's going to be a lot of different uh, earth movements because of that, right? And so the, you're going to mix the Bible, water plus all the different, uh, you know, um, sedimentary materials that are together. You're going to mix water with that. And this get, as, as the water calms over that 108 days or whatever that it... it right. You uh, well, we've seen you have this different settling, right? So. When I was living in Lincoln, I saw we had a park called oh, what was the name of the park, Holmes Lake or something like that. Okay, and it would flood, you know, every spring usually, and when it would come up over the uh, pathways where people jog and bike and whatever, and then it would recede, it would leave behind the sedimentary, sure. it almost like silt. Uh, rock, mud type mixture, Absolutely, right? Yeah. So is that kind of what that's you're exactly, talking about? That's exactly what I'm saying. Now, Absolutely. Now, what, Except on a global scale. 
what becomes an issue, and I'm reading out of this old textbook here about erosion. It says scientists can estimate the rate of erosion right. due to water by measuring the amount of sediment in rivers. So erosion and water, I think mm. even a layperson usually puts that together. All right, I can I can tell you a cool story about that. Actually, a few years ago in Egypt, they were wanting to dam up the Nile. And so they had to go into the delta of the Nile uh, into the Mediterranean Sea and actually f- go to bedrock and see how much silt had, ac- had acquired, right, Okay. at the end of this we're delta. We're talking the Nile can probably... Move a lot millions of and millions a of lot tons, of dirt. Millions of tons, correct. <laughs> Sediment. And so, um, uh, so what they did was they they uh, they had all this silt that they had measured, and it's it came up to be about four thousand years worth of silt. Hmm. Okay, so that what sounds, what happened four thousand years ago? Sounds biblical to me. Like it does. It sounds like maybe a flood. Or? Right. Right. Well, that's when the flood happened. Okay. So okay. so um, so, anyways, yeah. They, they can measure the amount of silt and deposits uh, that the river has pushed out into the Mediterranean over that time period, over a certain time period. And so it's, uh, you know, it's very fascinating. Now, um, didn't you say one time the, with the erosion rate that has been found to be right. steady? At today's erosion rate, North America would have eroded into the ocean 10 times by now. So how... Do- I, that baffles me. How do evolutionists right. get around that? Exactly. And how do they get around the fact that uh, we still have fossils? Um, we still have craters. We still have uh, all these things that supposedly happened millions of years ago when they should, those things are literally they should have the eroded. They should have eroded and been in the ocean. Because these craters were millions of years back ago. when the dinosaurs supposedly lived. Right. Stuff, 63 right? million years ago. Uh, Good uh, point. Right. So, so why, why do we still have uh, a massive uh, crater in Arizona, right? Where, um, a meteor hit the earth and oh that's something that's else that top, i remember about surges uh, has always been there crust. surges presentation he said these these meteors that have been launched he believes during the uh, the uh, flood mm-hmm. when the jets of water the jet streams of water right. burst forth from the the continental rifts or Just blew out. or out of the cracks in the ground uh they launched these these rocks and they're found in areas where, I mean, they had to be tossed miles because they're found in regions where there's no other um, similar material to this huge crater or rock. Well, question. I mean, they, that's they, found in that region. I mean, I, I personally think they went as far as as to Mars uh, in some in some instances because if you if you think about the it takes it takes a space shuttle seven to, to go seventeen thousand five hundred miles an hour to escape out of the Earth's atmosphere, right, to get right. into orbit. So if these if these jets that are coming out of the Earth that are miles wide, miles tall, blowing whatever rocks out into space, and that rock leaves our atmosphere, and there's no nothing to sl- stop it, right? Of course it's going to go to Mars or Jupiter or whatever the nearest thing it hits within millions of miles, right? Right. So... So absolutely, uh, you know, they could find boulders that, that couldn't get out of the Earth's atmosphere that fell back to the Earth a few hundred miles away. Absolutely. That's a very um, that's a very easy thought process, you bet. And we know that the, the moon, I mean, we know why the moon looks the way it does in the front, the, the, the face of the moon, because of the, uh, the rocks that blew off the, uh, of the uh, Earth at that time, um, you know, they just—they basically just turn the moon into Swiss cheese. So it's no. Uh, 
he mentioned the moon used to be two to three times closer, maybe right. even four times closer. Yeah. Did, did you happen to tap into his knowledge so, of how that happened? So that's or I how mean, they know that there's a lot of speculation there. Um, it's, well, it's they do know. They do know the moon is moving away, four a year, right? Yeah, four away a from year. the Earth. Yep, okay, right. Yep, four inches a year. And so, if we do a little math, that'd be what sixteen thousand miles since the since the flood, all right? Okay, if we're doing four thousand years, four inches a year, sixteen thousand miles. So, uh, yeah, you know, it could be closer. Maybe, maybe the um, the impacts of some of those rocks coming off the Earth, maybe push the moon back a little further. Um, because we know that the flood impacted the axis of the Earth, which is a pretty big um, sphere, right? I mean, it's a pretty big yeah. ball that, that probably weighs a lot to us. So <laughs> it, would, it would have to, it would, you know, it would have to be um, manipulated in a way to to be to be affected. But you know, he, he he the speculation is there. I mean, you can speculate that and and maybe not be right, maybe be right. It, you know, but. Uh, but we know that the earth, the moon is getting further well, away from the earth. And, and the thing that you've pointed out before too, Ash, is the we only see one side of the moon. Right. Uh, it doesn't rotate like the earth does. And so you can see there's evidence that the the side facing us was plastered. It, it's something. been plastered by meteors right. or, or meteor type uh, formations. Sure. And and the back side of the moon is relatively clean, yeah. To use, um, right. To use a word, and so something happened. Right. Something happened from our uh, location. Yep, totally. To uh, affect yep. it, I, be- I believe that's true. I believe that's true. I I haven't heard the theory that it was it was two thirds closer to the Earth. I don't know what makes him think that. What his basis for. Um, that information is, I, 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 you know, what we can do is have him on the show and, and, and it talk probably about has it. something to do with the rate of speed that it's, it's moving away right. from the earth. Possibly, but 16,000 miles, how, how close is the moon to the earth right now? I, I'm not really sure. I know we can look it up real quick, but point being is it, it would have taken a, a, a pretty big force to, to move, start moving <laughs> yeah, move the moon away from, away from the earth. Um, but I thought it was a fascinating topic. Um, absolutely. So we're kind of all over the place with rocks. We got the moon, uh, we have erosion rates, but to me, what stood out was again, the earth was so much different than what we have today. And so he had, he believes in Pangea, but, he believes that the whole earth was land, mm-hmm. dry land. Um, there was a mist coming up from the earth. Mm-hmm. An irrigation system, you bet. Um, there was kind of a protection around the earth, almost like our atmosphere, but maybe stronger. Because the water, he says, that we have for oceans had to come from somewhere. Right. Uh now you asked him about volcanoes. I did. So what what was your thinking behind? Well, the volcano, volcanoes? I think you know, was part of the original destruction of of the Earth as the plates were moving or being moved originally. Because, and and I think that the volcanoes were a major reason for the ice age that happened quite quickly after the flood. Um, 
Reason being is, is if you have a very new earth um, uh, or different new earth um, with those volcanoes just blasting ash and, and all kinds of different elements into did you the, say ash? I, I did say ash. I am a noun, an adjective, and a verb. Um, cool. Yeah, neat. So what, what's cool about that, though, is those volcanoes, if they're all erupting at that same time right. or, or close to it, they're putting off a lot of stuff into the atmosphere to block the sun's heat, right? From from so mm-hmm. so we had probably a massive cool down, and then so you got to think about this too. You know, Antarctica, right? It's covered in ice, feet and feet, thousands of feet of ice, right? But it never snows there. Why is that? It's a desert, literally a desert. That's a good. It never point. snows. How the snow get there? How the water get there to freeze? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you know, obviously, when yeah, and- when the when the massive changes occurred, uh, obviously at the poles. You know, there was definite, uh, it was definitely colder when we had the ice age or ice ages, if, if you will, several of them, right. um, little ones, not, not a global ice age like, like, like is taught in secular schools, but several little ones, um, you know, then you can easily have, then you can easily uh, freeze the water that was originally uh, from the flood at the poles. So, well, to wrap up our episode for today, I think. You know, I there's some things evolutionists and creationists can agree on. They all agree that there was something catastrophic in the past. Yeah. Uh, for the most part, mm-hmm. I I think right because of the dinosaurs being extinct. I mean, we would you would if you're an evolutionist, you would think why isn't there a dinosaur still around if it's a matter of surviving. Right. They're huge. They're way, they're way bigger than us. How did we survive through something and they didn't? So there's speculation on a great catastrophe. Uh, a lot of times you hear it being volcanoes or volcanic, you know, volcanic related catastrophe. Right. You hear meteors yes. being related, even floods. Mm-hmm. They uh, oftentimes throw that in there. The, the, picture that Serge painted was you had all those things happening during the flood. Right. And then some, I mean, we're talking acid rain, uh, forest fires, because he believes the earth's core heated up the water to burst forth Mm -hmm. and cause these jets of water to come forth to flood the earth. And so that the earth was slowly heating up and creating these forest fires and volcanoes and all this um so so it's to me it boils down haha boil boil (laughs) it boils down we'll we'll get into boils law another time it boils down to your perspective right uh we all agree on these sorts of catastrophes happening in the past right but one view says it was natural causes Another view says it was supernatural. Something started this to happen because of sin in the world. What I, what I, yeah, what, what you say right there is kind of interesting to me. I believe it was both. Okay. Supernatural as in the fact that God initiated those naturalistic things to happen, mm-hmm. but then He also used nature to fulfill His, uh, His work. And we know that it's a strange act for God to destroy his own creation, but he uses nature or he uses things like that to, um, 
to go ahead and, and fulfill what, what he needs to be done or needs to be accomplished. And what I was trying to get at here is uh, he, he mentioned, Serge mentioned the great unconformity mm-hmm. in the layers of rock here. Right. And what that is is a layer that's kind of, he called it, kind of look like it's been scurried over. Mm-hmm. And it's it, it baffles geologists because you have layer, then another layer, then another layer, and it's all uniform, right? Right. But somewhere back in time, there's this, there's this crack almost, this uh, what they call the great unconformity between sandstone and limestone and whatnot, and they can't explain it. Why there was something different. Um, because everything else is, is conforming to what they can explain. Right. And so to me, it's evident when we look to look at these things in a biblical perspective, there's some things we admit we just can't explain, but evolutionists have to, even in their within their theories and their their motivations to say no 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 this is evolution right they even come to points oftentimes i'm finding and you're you're yep. finding as we look into these things where they have to admit that we just can't explain this this is out of the norm from our theory absolutely and that's why that that's why evolution isn't a theory it's actually a religion uh Okay. It's it's yeah. something that they have to have faith in because they weren't there to actually see it, write it down, put it through the scientific method, and they still can't. So, mm-hmm. you know, uh, evolution, how the earth was created, the Big Bang, all these things you have they have on faith. And so it's really a religion. And yep. it's a religion of naturalistic, humanistic uh, ideas or ideals, whatever, however you want to say it. Um, so, you know, you're, you're taking a leap of faith either way. However... As a creationist, it's when when you have all of the scientific data and you put it into the formula of creation, it makes a lot more sense. And that's that's what I'm seeing, Ash. Is that I, you know, we admit it on here we aren't experts, but I'm curious about this topic because I read in Revelation there's a message that tells people to worship the creator. Right. And if you believe scripture, that message goes out just before Jesus comes back to destroy the world a second time. And really just the sin that's in it. And if we are to worship the creator, we need to know how to worship the creator. Right. Right. And, and we need to believe that first and foremost, he is our creator. So this isn't just an issue of science versus the Bible. This could be a life and death issue for us, just like it was for the antediluvians approaching what Noah was claiming to be true. And it sounded ridiculous. Yeah. So I think that's what I want to take away from our talk today. And I hope others take it away too is, yeah, um, you know, sometimes it, it might sound like a stretch to believe 
in creationism. Sometimes it might sound like a stretch to believe in evolution, but for as I've gone down this journey mm-hmm. in looking into these different topics, because there's there's so many, there's there's so many, and I think I that's really why it's such a crucial topic for our time is because evolution has creeped into every ideology that you can think of. Yeah. It, it relates to family uh, systems. It relates to socioeconomic systems. Yeah. It relates to uh, geopolitical uh, advances. I mean, look at World War II and all that, you know. Yeah. Uh, it relates in every area of our lives now. And so we need to take this seriously and say, look, okay, there's evidence if we open our minds to what scripture says, does it make more sense? And to me, it has. And I, I, I'll be honest, I've looked at it from both, try to look at it from both angles. If I'm an evolutionist and I'm looking at this evidence, does it make more sense? And time and time again, what I do see is evolutionists overlooking the things that contradict. Right. And as a creationist, I don't want to do that. I'll, I'll say, okay, I'm not sure. I'm not sure how that happened. Right. But when I do see those areas, it doesn't totally tear down and destroy a creationist view. No. I, I think you're right on with the, with the point. You know, as if you're a scientist, you're a secular geologist, and you're, you're forced to make a decision, you either – Acknowledge the facts as they are, or you put your facts into a paradigm of your own philosophy, your own theology, mm-hmm. and then you come up with a, uh, a hypothesis or a theory that promotes your thought process. And so absolutely, you, you, you can't just ignore facts, but what they do is they make a choice. They say, this cannot be God. This has to be nature. Yes. And so when you, when you shut the door on God, you shut the door on well, your eternal life, for one, and you also shut the door on the possibility yeah. of learning uh, or even accepting uh, a different thought process. I've seen interviews with scientists. They get up to the point where they say something supernatural happened here, right. and they but they won't admit right. they that it is, there's a God right. behind they'll it. They'll lose funding. They'll lose their jobs. They'll absolutely, because an agenda, the satanic pushed agenda. And I'm not saying that scientists are devil worshipers i'm not saying anything like that no but the point is is either you're you're in line with god's views or you're not and if you're outside of god's views then it's a satanic viewpoint i think and here's a good way to wrap this up i saw a story the other day and i read in scripture where wine and and alcohol used to be maybe used for medicine because they didn't they couldn't just roll up to walgreens and ask the pharmacy for a, a pill However, the, the Bible's clear about, you know, becoming an alcoholic, becoming someone who is drinking all the time is bad for you. There was it a story years ago that said a glass of wine a day is good for you. Yeah. It's good for your heart. Right? Right. And I thought, well, wait a minute. That doesn't line up to me with what Scripture says. Well, wouldn't you know it, years along down the road now, a story just came out. CNN uh, published it. Fake news? Uh, yeah. <laughs> whatever you want to think about CNN, that's beside the point. But it was 
actually research done by someone else okay. over a long, long period of time now. And they said, you know what? We found out that the evidence just doesn't line up. Alcohol is in no way a benefit for you. And now, but years for years now, science has been telling people, go for it. Yep. Glass a day. A glass of beer. It's okay. Glass of wine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so for me, it's, it's, now you you can debate that if you want, but for me, it's just saying again, science can make claims. Right. And what's sad is I think people go to their graves sometimes fully believing something that can affect their lives, their eternity, their eternity. Yeah. And years later, humans go, Oh, you know what? That just wasn't true. Right. Well, so. I, I agree. Well, Matt, thanks for, uh, thanks for making time to do this today. It's been fun. And I, uh, I don't think we'll go two and a half more months again without making another episode. So I don't think so. I mean, we might erode <laughs> too quickly before uh, no being doubt. able to do that. But thanks Ash for joining me. And hopefully if you haven't been scared away by now, you'll join us next time. See you buddy. <laughs>